Draft edition, NFL Draft Week edition of the Main Event Podcast. I'm really excited about uh, the upcoming draft. Uh, one of my favorite weeks, one of my favorite days, uh, filled with hope, um, a lot of hope. But uh, Joel, what's going on? Not much, man. How's it going? How's everything? What was that? Sorry, I cut it out. Real I quick. said, <laughs> I said, how's it going? How's everything? Yes, sir. We got no. the NFL Draft coming up. Uh, how how are you feeling? No, what's up? Yeah, very excited. Uh, draft day, one of my favorite days in the. Uh, I guess what's your favorite NFL thing about the draft? Day. What's your favorite thing about that? Because I have one thing that's always my favorite thing about the draft. Uh, what's your favorite thing? I would think if I had to summarize, I'd probably just say like it just feels like it's like a game day for everybody, really, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's yep. like it's not like free agency where it happens over like a couple weeks, like the big deals get done first. But this is, I mean, just just like the amount of like people that love college football and love football and seeing guys from Alabama, guys from like Florida, just blue chip guys going to their NFL team. And like I said, I think it's just, if I had to relate it, if I had to like summarize it, I think it's just like, it's just a game day for everybody. And it just filled with a, whole, a lot of hope. Yeah. It, it reminds me honestly of, you know, week one almost because like you said, yeah. everybody's team's got hope. Everybody's team, you know, you can't really say anything about the other team, you know, every team, you know, has their own stake to claim. And, you know, every team really feels like it's going to be their year. It kind of mm. is like week one before week one, right? I mean, this mm. NFL draft is just so big, the way NFL is done. And, I mean, I think it's been, what, six, seven years since they've done the first day on Thursday. You know, it used to be, you know, the first day on Saturday. And then I think it's actually been probably longer than that, right, since they extended it the Thursday one round, you know, for the whole night. So yeah. it's just incredible. But like you said, you know, it really is. It truly feels like a game day. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Let's mm. get into it. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit, uh, offline here, but it seems like the consensus, uh, the top three picks look like it's going to go Lawrence to the Jags to urban Meyer and them boys, uh, Zach Wilson to the jets. And then number three, that's kind of where the draft starts. I've been kind of surprised. And somebody made this point the other day that there hasn't been a lot more, like, I mean, just the jets being in New York and just being a big, big deal all the time. Like there hasn't been even like rufflings, like even like, even little, like little side columns that'll like spark conversation for the rest of the day on Twitter or something like that of like, are we sure it's Wilson? But it seems pretty, uh, it's been everything, but in, uh, what do they say? Uh, the, the pink's almost, or the ink's almost dried. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. Wilson going to the jets. You would think yeah. there'd be a lot more conversation about it, but there really hasn't. Well, there um, was really. And then obviously the Donald trade happened and that seemed like it was, yeah. you know, clear cut. Bing, bang, boom, you know, he, he's there. And what's interesting about mm-hmm. Wilson, I know, like I said, we, we're not going to touch on one and two a lot because, again, one, I think is pretty, you know, killer cut and dry. Um, even though Urban Meyer did come out and say they're going to do their due diligence. But, um, 
you know, the thing about Wilson is, man, he shot up the board. And I think that that's what a lot of people thought he would do. And that's exactly what happened, man. Mm-hmm. He shot up the board, you know, really early. I don't, I don't think he had, uh, you know, the hype coming out of college, but once you really start watching the tape and really start, you know, analyzing him, I mean, man, he shot up the board and, you know, really does, like mm-hmm. you said, seem like he's clear cut number mm-hmm. two, he's going to go to the jets and that's kind of how they're going to restart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing. It seems like a lot of people are making the point that, kind of crazy how it seems like he passed like the field like it goes mm-hmm. obviously went I, I just said the field but it's kind of like a pun because he did pass Justin Fields when yeah he, Justin Fields played the games right Justin Fields got to play yeah. the postseason yeah and it seems yeah. like uh Wilson passed him even though mm-hmm. Justin Fields was the guy playing the postseason games but yeah the draft starts with the home team the local Santa Clara Levi Stadium San Francisco Quest bang bang Niner gang 49ers obviously uh we probably should have got a pot in but the Niners traded up to number three they swapped their first rounder and then they gave up clean uh two clean first round picks and there was like some extra like third rounders which I, I don't really care about yeah but uh and then after that the Miami took the Niners 12 pick swapped that and went back up to six but yeah the draft starts with three um I guess I'll just give my initial thoughts real quick yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I feel I feel like you've kind of made I don't want to say a joke out of the Niners, but I think you've really enjoyed this whole Niners thing, and I think this yeah. is really really exciting to you, right? I mean, you're you're pretty excited about what you think the Niners are going to do, and then obviously oh, Niners Twitter reaction, right? Obviously, them being now with the Raiders gone, the the closest team to well, they were the closest team to us, anyways, but you know the only real Bay Area mm-hmm. team left. So I'd like to know kind of where you're at with mm-hmm. it and kind of what you think about um, the pick and you know where you think they're going to head and what do you what you where you think they're going to head? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think that, I mean, just, this might be a while, but, uh, just when we've been talking about the Niners quarterback situation that we didn't really think they could run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo and the injury issues. And then obviously the main issue, um, I wouldn't say he's a top tier quarterback, but the couple that with the idea of him not being able to play that often, cause he gets hurt all the time, but, uh, they got aggressive. I thought, I mean, just the way it goes, it seems like. Um, the way the consensus of the media it usually goes like that, with, especially with quarterbacks. But my first thought was Justin Fields, because that was kind of the consensus number three guy all the time. But then for some reason, like within after the trade happened, probably was like a 48 hour period where there was like Mac Jones rumors getting like shuffled into like mainstream guys like Rappaport, Adam Schefter. And I thought that was really interesting. That definitely took me by surprise. I know. Uh, it took you by surprise. I know you're a bigger Mac Jones guy than the average guy. I, w- I definitely want to hear about that. But I am. I am. I think just, just where we are, where we're, we're 428, April 28th, the day before the draft. I think I want to say for sure that Shanahan knew exactly. He had a really good idea of who he was going to take when he made that trade. I would say he was like 85 to 90% sure who they were going to pick. Yeah, and so that's I would interesting say, yeah, I, I think they were. I think they would have to know who they were going to pick. I know they said. I, I mean, I listened to the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch presser, and I know that they said that they felt good that there was five starting quarterbacks in the draft. But I think they, if you're going to do that, if you're going to trade up from twelve to three, get up to two first round picks, two clean first round picks, I think you have to know who they had their eyes on. And I think it was like seventy five percent Mac Jones, and the other twenty five was split between Fields and Lance, and. The Lance buzz 
that's been growing. You've been feeling, have you been feeling Lance buzz the last couple of days, last week? I have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That That's what, what's interesting. I know we'll get in past the Niners, but that, that the Lance buzz yeah. is definitely what's interesting to me. Yeah, no, but absolutely. And so Fields' right now, name has kind of dropped, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, as we talked about the other three quarterbacks. I'd say gun to my head. I'd say tomorrow, uh, probably around this time, we'll know, 24 hours from now. I think Mac Jones will be the pick. And I think right now, if you had to guess, I'd say right now the Niners, like in general, because it seems like Kyle Shanahan, the way it's being pitched is Kyle Shanahan is the one that really wants Mac. And yeah. uh, I guess the scouting department, the rest of the front front office wanted to take Lance, just look elsewhere. I'd say right now it's probably in that building, 60% Mac, 30% Lance, and then 10% Fields. But, I mean, it doesn't even seem like Fields is actually being considered. So that might yeah, be generous no, no. The, 10%. the report did come out that Fields wasn't yeah. being considered anymore. Yeah. That came out about Tuesday, I think, yeah. so. So what I would say is, like, it's going to be mayhem, probably, if Mac Jones gets picked on Twitter. And that's kind of, like, the mm-hmm. stuff I live for. Like, I talked about how the, uh, the <laughs> Jake Paul stuff. It seems like you've been stuff. getting excited about it, yeah. It well, that, like just, like, it's just the Jake ready. Paul stuff where, like, you know it's going to be mayhem. It's going to be a good content night. I know, like, if the Niners roll with Mac Jones and they pick him, I know it's going to be a good content night. I would say, I mean, what everybody's saying is the quarterbacks that Shanahan has a lot of success with, um, Matt Ryan, and then uh, who, who he had Matt Schaub, Cousins, a couple of the guys. He really like he loves. He's in love. He's infatuated with Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Yep. That and I would my personal the way I see it is I feel like I just love the potential of like a Justin Fields, the four four three speed. I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't even really the biggest Justin Fields guy, but just him learning from a guy like Kyle Shanahan, obviously, really, really um, highly regarded offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan. I think Justin Fields and just the project of him, he's not really that project. A lot of people say he's mm-hmm. one of the more quarterback. He's or, probably one of the more, more experienced guys along yeah, the Yeah, absolutely. He's played Big Ten football, mm-hmm. like, uh, really good. Uh, really good. Started, at, started at Georgia, got all that experience there. No, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing I would say is, um, yeah, I mean, what was the – I mean, nobody really knew what Josh Allen was going to look like. Yeah. Uh, when he came in, right, that was big a big project, and now – Who's there? I, I was thinking about. I was thinking about the last ten minutes. But who's there? Who's their offensive coordinator? The Bills. The Bill. It's Dayball. It's Brian yeah, Dayball. Dayball. He, he he's really from, high. Yeah, he's he, really high. He regarded, came from out. He really came from uh, the Patriots, and he went to Alabama, yeah. and then obviously he made yeah. it over to the yeah to the Bills. Yeah, I, I just think when Kyle Shanahan really highly regarded as offensive mind. I mean, Dayball got it out of Josh Allen. I mean, we. I mean, you didn't really. Nobody really knew what Lamar was going to look like, but they yeah. put pieces around him. They put. Uh, they put uh, good. He has a coaching. The coaches coaching that uh, he has in Baltimore, and I just feel like personally, like I don't know what it's going to look like because obviously everybody says Kyle Shanahan just wants a quarterback that's going to uh, kind of be a robot and just not mess up his offense. Like Kyle Shanahan, it's his baby. Yeah. It's his offense. Yeah, He's yeah. You know that's it. definitely been. Yeah, that's definitely don't been mess it up. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? I'm following that. Yeah. I yeah, just I'm feel like that. the potential of what Justin Fields can be with his speed um, and just what he's shown in college, played against the best. He's had some bad games, had some good games. The had uh, I wasn't really impressed in the Big Ten championship game when they played Northwest. That was kind of a mad game. And then obviously the championship mm-hmm. game where they got routed by Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, I in the middle think, of that, there was a good game against Clemson in the middle absolutely, of that. To be yeah, fair. yeah, absolutely. To be fair. Good and bad. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm sitting. Right? I think the pick, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be uh too chalky here. Like it seems like everybody's saying Justin Fields, but I think just the potential, I don't know what it would look like. I think I have an idea of what Mac Jones would look like in a Kyle Shannon offense, just running the offense, handing the ball off. Yeah. Uh, uh, just really easy throws. But I just feel like the yep. potential. And you know what? Another aspect of this, before I let, I mean, I feel like I've taken up so much space, but 
Just no, 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 like no. You, no would, yeah. you would think Shanahan, he gets uh, the quarterbacks that he has troubles with. Or I'm sorry, his defense is a trouble. With, is Kyler gives him a lot of trouble. And uh, Russell Wilson Russell gives him a lot Wilson. of trouble. You would think yeah. maybe them playing, what, four times a year? Maybe yeah. that might maybe influence his pick at all. But uh, just something to think about. Um, yeah, your thoughts, yeah. please. So, that, yeah, that was a lot to unpack, but one thing one thing i did i did just kind of want to make clear is I, I like i like justin fields too it's not that i'm because again like you said I, i'm probably a little higher on mac jones than a lot of people um to me i i, I looked at it and I'm, before i start i do i do say i do like justin fields i i personally if i was a niner fan i'd want them to take justin fields where oh. where i where okay. i disagree and where i kind of uh i don't want to say sympathize with niner fans but I don't see the problem with them taking Mac Jones. I feel like, again, you, you've kind of made this point. You said, you know, you, you're waiting for the aggregators and, and Twitter to kind of blow up. And I think it will. I think when Mac Jones is the pick, I definitely think it will because Justin Fields is the sexier pick. I think we can agree, right? I mean, Absolutely. Justin Fields or, or, bill, or Trey Lance the bill, is the sexy, sexier pick. Yeah, everything about him. To me, when I look at the pick and when I look at, you know, the idea that the Niners will take Mac Jones, because like you said, gun to your head, I, I agree with you. I think they will take Mac Jones. To me, I think it's two reasons. One, I think Kyle Shanahan has won before with a quarterback style like like um, uh, like like Mac Jones. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Kirk Cousins. I think he's got a higher upside than Kirk Cousins. I think he's a little bit more of a big game player than Kirk Cousins is. But you know, like you said, a quarterback that can stay in the pocket. He's not too mobile. He doesn't need to. You don't need to set up run plays for him. But he can make accurate throws. He can make throws down the field. And that's what Mac Jones showed this year at Alabama. I, I think a lot of people are kind of faulting Mac Jones. And I've heard this kind of narrative and almost not giving Mac Jones a lot of credit because of the guys he played with at Alabama. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you, what do you think about that? As, as we dissect this Mac Jones mm-hmm. thing in two parts, this is my first part yeah. of it. That That's to me where I think we're, we're getting a little different because I think, listen, you, you could say Zach Wilson did a lot with nothing at BYU. You could say Trey Lance, obviously North Dakota state. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, um, uh, Justin Fields played with nobody's at Ohio State, right? You know, he he obviously played with talented players. Where do you fall on that as far as, uh-huh. you know, do you think maybe Mac Jones isn't uh-huh. getting the credit he deserves? Or maybe he's, you know, not – not he's getting kind of undervalued mm-hmm. because of the guys yes. he played with at, at Alabama. Yeah. So my my take on Mac Jones, and I, I can't even pretend to watch, like, every single throw, every single Alabama game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But what yeah, I yeah. saw, and I would say – I feel like even more so with Tua um, – I felt like Mac Jones not as much, not as much as Tua is. I feel like the balls that he threw, like the 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 windows he had to clear, I feel like it didn't pop as much. I didn't, I wasn't really wowed as much with his throws. I think it, maybe that a little bit more so to do with some of the guys he threw to and what they did after the catch. That kind of wowed me. But uh, but you made a good point. I we're talking today. You made I liked your point how like you couldn't really script a better prospective season for Mac Jones you really couldn't in no way shape or form it was uh I don't think it was Joe Burrow-esque but I mean it was pretty freaking good uh I think I'd fall more so obviously I'm a little bit more skeptical I know that's kind of the chalk thing to say that's kind of everybody's gonna say but that's how I feel I'd be lying if I said I felt good about Mac Jones being a top 10 12-ish quarterback and, and, and that goes back and that goes years. back to your up that goes back to your upside thing right fields around lance yeah. right i mm-hmm. mean lance is a total unknown if we're dissecting those three if we're thinking you know one and two are lawrence and and wilson like we're talking about then we're just dissecting those three i mean let's be honest lance is kind of an unknown right but he has all the physical skills i mean you saw it at the pro day you could see the highlights of the show but again with lance it's only you know you're only going to see good you're only going to see you know you're not going to see his bad games right i mean they're not going to take the, you're not going to go back and watch a north dakota game you know me and you mm-hmm. personally i'm saying 
and you know yeah. obviously all the Niner fans and stuff. So I think the yeah. upside of Lance and the upside of Fields is what everybody's kind of um, what everybody's kind of banking on. If you if uh-huh. you're if you're Niner fans and you're you know guys that aren't Mac Jones fans, for me personally, I, I don't think Mark Jones should be faulted. Like I said, for for what I just kind of laid out for you, that he did have a great season. I mean, I got some of his stats right here. They're going to be eye popping. You're not you're not going to you're not going to believe him. But I mean, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, he had he completed 77.4% of his passes. and 77.4? 77.4. He threw for 400, uh, 4,500 yards. I mean, he averaged 11.2 in attempts. And I agree with what you're saying about the Tua thing. You know, Tua throws kind of eye popped out to you because, you know, he did have some of those throws where he did fight and fit in the tight windows. He did kind of have pressure in his face uh-huh. a couple of times. And mm-hmm. those Alabama teams weren't as good, right? Obviously, in, especially in his junior year, uh, the year before he came out. Mac Jones, I mean, he was throwing to wide open guys. I mean, I remember the national championship. I remember thinking, you know, this is kind of a showcase for field, for Mac Jones, excuse me, um, you know, up against uh, Justin Fields. And, you know, I mean, these guys were just running wide open, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. A lot of them, you know, a couple screen passes to Najee Harris. So it wasn't really what, uh, you know, maybe Mac Jones wanted to show. Because I think what what the, the best game I saw out of a college quarterback this year, personally, what was uh, Justin Fields against uh, Clemson. I thought he was thrown into tight windows. I thought he did a good job using his legs. He obviously got mm-hmm. hurt, I think, in the third quarter right and he kind of toughed it out so that was impressive yes. to me but um one one thing that i will say and one one thing i want to throw to you again is if, if mac jones didn't have the season he had right i mean he wouldn't even be considered with this right he wouldn't no. be considered this pick right i mean like He'd you said like he Kyle had to Trask have the per- he two. had to have the exactly he had to have the perfect season um just to even be considered and he did mm-hmm. that and he did everything he could to really do that and like you said i know it's not joe burrow asking i think joe burrow is the better player. I just think he's a little bit more of an NFL quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, it's kind of like you said, Joe Burrow S. Joe Burrow doesn't have that season at LSU. You know, he's not even being talked about on day one, like you said, right? No, yeah, he was a day two, uh, so, maybe. So, yeah. So to me, season. with that, so so to me, that impresses me. That impresses me in the sense that this guy, you know, needed needed to have this season if he really wanted to be a pro. He had the season. He took his team to the national championship. And that impresses me. For me, I feel like some people are kind of making that a negative on him that, you know, he did have one good year and mm-hmm. he did have all those guys around him. Right. I mean, so, yeah. but again, I, I see the point that I, I think I, I see the point clear I'm making, obviously, but I also see the point that other people are making that, mm-hmm. you know, this guy had a perfect year with the perfect team and, and, you know, one of the best college teams ever. Right. Yeah. What, what did you think about? Uh, I mean, it only helps his case that Waddle and Smith both said clearly that they, they yeah, they I remember you telling me that that's Mac another Jones thing I was better bring player. Up to you. Yeah, that's another thing I was going to bring up to you. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you fall on that? I mean, do you Mm -hmm. fall on in the sense that, you know, maybe we saw the best Mac Jones and maybe that still isn't, you know, the best pro Mm -hmm. prospect? Or do you fall on the sense that, man, this was pretty impressive, the throws he Mm -hmm. made and everything? I mean, it's kind of tough to dissect, right? And and again, you know, the NFL draft, I mean, let's be honest. It's fun. We could talk, you know, until our ears, you know, fall off. But, um, you know, it's all guessing, right? I mean, it's all all a guesstimate, right? So where do you fall on, like I said, what I said about Mac Jones in the sense that he had the perfect year and, you know, it kind of paid off for him. No, absolutely. You, like I said, you couldn't really, to put to put it clearly, you couldn't really script a better season for him. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you, what was I blanked out? It was, um, oh, okay, what about this? Yeah, a thousand percent, a lot of easy throws for Mac Jones, it seemed like a lot of people yeah. would say. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the idea um, just the concept of him actually going to the Niners and playing for—I mean, the, the Niners aren't your average team drafting at three, right? They're not going. It's no, not like he's going. No, to no, no. A, that, that's a Carolina that, that's so, or maybe like yeah, a New York so Jets. It, yeah, I had my second kind of—that was my first part about it. It's just yeah. Mac Jones as the prospect. My second uh-huh. part of it was, uh, you know, the Niners as a team and the Niners drafting a team. You know, the Niners are in an interesting position. 
because again, I think what the Niners fell into this year and they really, you know, if they really self-reflected after the season was, um, you know, they're paying a lot of money to Jimmy G right now. And they, and, and you know, it, it's kind of their fault because they've done a really good job of drafting. I mean, you want to say whatever you want about the Niners. I mean, you can agree with that, right? The Niners have done a really good job of drafting, mm-hmm. especially at the top. You know, you had the Solomon Thomas pick, but other than that, I mean, Buckner, Bosa, Armstead, I mean, these guys are all hits, you know, same thing with Debo Samuel and IU. Um, but, but at the same time, that brings, you know, contracts and that brings money and that brings, you know, guys needing to get paid. And you can't be paying your quarterback, you know, what they're paying Jimmy G, excuse me, when A, he's not on the field and B, um, uh, you know, he's just not producing at the top level that, you know, guys need to produce that. Um, so w- one other thing that I, the, the other point that I was making was how much cheaper is a rookie quarterback going to be? And we talked about the Niners, I believe, uh, with Josh a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we were talking about upgrading and how we that. And my biggest thing was upgrading, but what at what cost? You know, were they going to get, you know, shell out, you know, five first round picks for Deshaun Watson? Obviously, that's not going to happen. Now, you know, were, were they going to try to get themselves in the Matthew Stafford race? But again, that would come with draft capital. And I didn't think that they really were going to take the chance and upgrade like that. But obviously they took the chance here and they upgraded right at a cost. But one thing that that does bring with the Mac Jones thing, like I said, is a cheaper option. And, and probably, you know, I don't know if I necessarily say a better option because we don't know if Mac Jones can do better than Jimmy G. Right. But it does give them a cheaper option. And it kind of and it kind of strings out the timeline where these mm-hmm. guys need to get paid because now you can pay the Bosa. You can pay the IU. You can't pay the Samuel. You can't pay the Kinlaw when he comes up. You know, you can't pay Fred Warner, Fred Warner you know, yeah. with the, yeah, with the cheaper option of a first round pick. And one thing about trading first round picks as well is you don't have to pay them, obviously. So that, that was kind of the other thing I had, you know, paying Jimmy G, the money they're paying Jimmy G, you know, that just that just never was going to work. You know, so what's your other option? Do you pay a pre, do you pay, you know, a premium for Matthew Stafford or do you pay a premium, you know, for moving up the draft? And that's the kind of route they chose. So what, what do you mm-hmm. think about the route they chose as far as moving up and maybe the cheaper option? But, you know, you did have to shell out some picks. I was going to ask you, is Jimmy G a goner rip by the end of the weekend or what? So, I, so listen, I, I had it written down here. I had Jimmy G with the question mark. And, and I, it's interesting. It really is, right? I mean, because, again, you know, you, 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 you shell out all these draft picks. You shell out, you know, the, the capital that you did shell out. And then you're not going to play this guy. To me, that just doesn't make sense. And I don't think Shanahan can sell to himself that he's going to shell out that draft capital and sell out moving up if he doesn't if he thinks Mac Jones still needs a year you know for him to say that Jimmy G you know they can win with Jimmy G this year I think he has to say it um but again I think he was clearly asked on Tuesday I believe the press conference was and he said he doesn't know if anybody's going to be on their roster or he can't guarantee anybody on the roster on Sunday so I would assume Jimmy G is going to get traded but you know that's something else we can get into with the sense that I mean it's really just got to be New England right so that kind of factors into you know our next step of talking to the draft and you know where where these other quarterbacks kind of fall right Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was an all-time. I would, yeah, I would, I would personally assume um, that. Yeah, I, I do not think that Jimmy G is on the roster. You know, by by the end of the week or mm-hmm. by you know in two weeks or whatever. But uh, I don't know. What, what what do you think about it? Because again, you know, you can assume all you want. Nobody really knows except uh-huh. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, right? Uh-huh. So what they want to say is like just thinking about it, taking a step back. Jimmy G, the quarterback. He's kind of in a weird spot here. Like he's not your traditional, like older vet, like Fitzpatrick or Alex Smith. He's like what, 28, 29. He's kind of in his prime. Like a guy, you would think a guy like Jimmy G, like Jimmy G knows when that, let's say they make it to camp together, which I don't think they'll make it to camp together. Jimmy G is going to think he can beat this guy out. And then uh, like, it's, he, he's, he's shown flashes here and there. Right. And he's in the prime of his career where he should be getting some starts in. Um, yep. My thing also is uh I think it would be, I mean, you can maybe 
what, what do you think about this is like i think it would also be a little weird in the locker room like it would have been like ideally i think it would have been better to have a clean guy come in here with the new guy like a teddy bridgewater but obviously that didn't matter but like a guy like that like another guy that's kind of fresh two fresh faces rather than like you have a guy like jimmy g who's like he's boys with kittle i'm sure he has other relationships on the team you know what i mean but uh, yeah that's kind of my thing like I, I don't think he would i think that would be kind of weird when uh i mean because that that's what they're gonna have if you're if you're the press if you're the media that goes to the practices go to the training camps and stuff that's you're gonna hammer home is jimmy g's gonna yeah. be asked about mac Max gonna be asked yep. about jimmy g it's just gonna be weird kittle's gonna be asked about jimmy g kittle's gonna be asked about mac jones it's gonna be kind of weird even i mean i think the first thing that came to my mind is obviously uh jimmy g and kittle kind of have like a little bromance going on they have the t-shirt thing going on but uh, i think that's definitely a factor so i would i think obviously everybody's pointing to new england that's probably the spot but uh, i think sooner rather than later i think jimmy g is definitely on borrowed time here yeah, so that that's kind of that that's the interesting thing, like you said about you know what Kyle Shanahan has said. I mean, he he came out and said, I believe in two press conferences ago. It's funny that you know these press conferences by Kyle Shanahan becoming almost famous, right? I mean, everybody's yeah. you know flocking to listen to him. Draft starts. Um, he with said the... that. Yeah, exactly. He said um, that they can win with Jimmy, and they plan on winning with Jimmy this year. But they did move up for a third quarter, but to the third for a quarterback. So that's interesting, yeah. in, you know, when what he's saying. You know, he's saying that they're committed to Jimmy. He's saying that he can win with Jimmy. Um, but he's also saying, you know, the reason they moved up to third is because they wanted to upgrade the quarterback position. So that doesn't really make any sense to me. You just hit it on the head right there with, you know, it, it, you're, everybody's assuming it's New England. I mean, that's when the team with Jimmy, you know, since he almost got traded, right? I mean, they, they talked about him getting traded back, obviously, since the Brady thing happened. But, you know, what's his value to New England? What's his value to another team? You know, obviously, I think his value to New England is higher, right? Because he's been there. He knows the system. McDaniels, Belichick. They seem like, you know, they really like Jimmy and they didn't want to trade Jimmy. I mean, that's that's been kind of the reports that have come out that, yeah. you know, Brady pushed for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do, do they drive the price up for New England because they, you know, know that what, what Jimmy G is valued to New England? But what if a team like Chicago calls or what if a team like Denver calls or a team like Detroit? I don't know. A team that needs a quarterback, you know, do, do they kind of drop the value of that because, you know, maybe it's not New England. And so that's interesting. But another interesting thing, and I think I brought this up to you before with the Jimmy and Garoppolo thing, with the Jimmy, Garoppolo, Niners, and Belichick and Shanahan thing is, you know, it came out that, you know, when 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 Shanahan, when, excuse me, Shanahan traded for uh, Garoppolo, it seemed like kind of like a gentleman's thing with Belichick, right? Yeah, I think you've told me that before. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what happened, what I believe what happened, just real quick, is I'm pretty sure Belichick just called Shanahan or Lynch, one of the two, and just said, this is the deal. Take it or leave it. Because it happened, uh, at, the, know about the it happened at the trade deadline as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of so, what went down. So, I mean, do the gentlemen handshake back to get Jimmy G yeah, back? Yeah, there, you know? yeah. That's what I told, I, I, I told, I, I told again, Richard. He wasn't down for that, right? <laughs> yeah, Richie Valens, so. he wasn't down for that. Yeah, I do not think Richie Valens – Richie Valens is in a tough spot right now. I believe he's fighting He's fighting his own uh, He's fighting his own family right now in, in the Niners Twitter. So, uh, just just send your, send your prayers to him. Um, but, again, you know, what, what is Jimmy G's value? As, as we kind of wrap up mm-hmm. this Niner Mac Jones thing, um, because I, again, I, I, like you said, I didn't gun to my head. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they think they take Mac Jones as well. You know, where does that leave Jimmy G to me? I, I couldn't agree with you more. I know Jimmy G's built relationships probably within that Niner locker room. I'm sure he's built relationships in the organization, but I just don't see how you can say you're a Super Bowl contender, uh, you know, with the rookie quarterback sitting on the bench. Um, uh-huh. I, I think you got to play whoever you take. I think you got to play Mac Jones if you're the Niners. And if that's the case, you can't be paying Jimmy G what you're paying him. So to me, I would look to move him, but again, at what cost, at what value? Um, you know, and, and same thing with New England, you know, what, what value do they pay out to him? Because you could look at it in the sense from the uh, the Patriots and saying, you know, 
you, you have a rookie quarterback anyways. Eventually, you're going to have to play this guy. And eventually, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to cut Jimmy G regardless of anybody trading for him. So that's interesting to me. But on the same side, you know, you can look at it from a New England perspective and say we mm-hmm. don't have a quarterback right now. You know, you could say whatever you want about Cam. And, again, it's interesting to see about that talking about the Patriots quarterback situation because, you know, hey, they can take a quarterback tomorrow night. Um, you yeah. know, they're at 15. They have some draft capital to move around if they really wanted to. It's not Belichick style, but, hey, we'll see. So, to me, I, I do think Jimmy G will get moved. I think he should get moved. And I think he deserves a fresh start. Uh, I think you'd mm-hmm. agree, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. How do you so think uh, – this go is ahead, random. This would never yeah. happen because uh, they wouldn't put they wouldn't want to put their guy in this spot. But what if he went to uh, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers? What do you think about that? You think they would That's happen or never happen? Because I don't think they put that pressure on Ben. But yeah. what do you think? They That's need a quarterback, quarterback needy team. They yeah, need a quarterback, quarterback needy team. But again, do we talk about the gentleman's handshake between Shanahan and and uh, and uh, Belichick? You know, is he really going to trade him to, to Pittsburgh and you know maybe ruffle some feathers with Bill? So it'll be yeah. interesting. But uh, yeah. you know, no, like I said, what's the value to Jimmy to the Patriots, yeah. and then what's the value for Jimmy? You know, to other teams like Chicago uh, or, or like you said, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that that'd be definitely interesting. It would be interesting um, as uh, we kind of transition into the rest of the draft here. Um, you got Atlanta at four. You got Cincinnati at five. Okay, can I one last thing at you? One last thing. Yeah, one yeah, last yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. One, I have one last, yeah. thing, last thing. Yeah. What do you think about uh, obviously what Miami did was they took that Niner pick of 13 and they were able to go up to six with the Eagles and all they gave up gave up was a first. Do you think the Niners should just went to six and save the first round pick? And then uh, or do you think because I think Mac would have been available at six, but I know they they probably weren't locked in, locked in like. They obviously thought they had to do due diligence, or maybe hey, they like Trey Lance. Trey Lance probably would have went yeah, maybe top yeah, five. Yeah. But what do you think about that? Do you think that's do you so, think that's a that's worth a conversation like with Shanahan Lynch? Like, like that's I mean that's it's something. It's what's worth so talking goes, about. That goes back into I think what you brought up earlier in the sense that you know when they traded up to three, did they know who they were going to take? You know, yeah. did they hear buzz about Fields going you know third, or did they hear buzz from you know I know there was a lot of buzz about Carolina. I think I, early there was a lot of mock drafts that had Carolina trading up to three. So that was interesting. Um, trading up to three for Fields, not not for Mac Jones. I don't think I ever saw anybody trading up for Mac Jones until uh-huh. the Niners thing came out. So that's interesting that, that you say that because you know that that is a really that's a really big point of this. I think is that you make that you make. You know, if you are thinking the Niners are going to take Mac Jones, you know, could they have got him at five? Could they have got him at six? Like you said, because I think the Dolphins were always kind of willing to trade out of that spot yeah. uh, at three, but also you know the Eagles were they willing to trade out of that spot at three as well. Yeah. So. You know, you, you trade up to six, you know, you're getting one of those three quarterbacks, right? If they're being mm-hmm. honest and saying that there's five starting quarterbacks, um, you know, they, they probably could have got a quarterback at, at six, right? I, mean, I don't think the, I don't think the quarterbacks are going to go the first five ever. So no, no. Uh, that's an interesting point. But again, you know, they paid that extra first round pick. And, uh, you know, technically, if you take Lawrence and field and excuse, excuse me, Lawrence and Wilson off the board, you know, they have mm-hmm. the number one pick in the draft. So mm-hmm. that is interesting. I, I, I don't know. Again, if you, uh, the quarterback situation, the quarterback position, excuse me, it's so delicate. I've talked to you before about it in the sense that, yeah. you know, you want to upgrade, you want to bring in competition, but at what cost? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Niners really wanted to upgrade. The Niners really wanted to not just bring in competition for Jimmy G. They want to bring in a successor and, you know, they went and got it. So I, I don't think you could fault them, but that is an interesting point that you bring up. I mean, do you yeah. think, I mean, do you think they made a little bit of a mistake? I mean, that, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it from what I've read, what I've heard is I think they've always been locked in on Mac Jones. And I personally feel like, Mac Jones was always kind of going to be their guy. I mean, I could be look completely foolish tomorrow, but I felt like I thought they could have saved the first round pick and went to six. And uh, obviously they would have no control over what happened in front of them. 
but uh, I, I think they, I think that's definitely going to be a conversation if they do get Mac Jones. And one last thing, and uh, I don't really think it's being talked about that much. One last thing I just want to say is that I think it's a, I mean, Richie Valens might might feel different, but I think it's, I think it's definitely a little crazy that they they did the swap. They they gave up the two clean first. They gave up the third and um, they gave up the third. And they're getting the third pick of the quarterbacks. I, I just that's just something I want to throw out there. I've always kind of that was the first thing that came to my mind when the trade went down. Is like, yeah, they are getting the third pick of the litter here, and they're giving up awfully a lot. But if, if Shanahan feels like, like would Shanahan with a straight face tell you that the guy they're picking would they pick him over Wilson? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe 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 that's just how we feel. Maybe so, he's in love so, with Mac Jones like that. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's something so that to was, think about. Yeah, that that goes back to what we what we talked about with Wilson. Um, at the top, you know, and you saying, yeah. you know, is it clear cut the Jets are going to take him? I think obviously the Niners called, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if they ever even called Jacksonville, you know, I don't know if that pick was ever available, but you obviously think they started at two, right? I mean, the Niners probably started at two trying to see what the Jets wanted for number sure. two, right? The Jets sure. obviously shelled them away. That probably gave it away right then and there that they were taking a quarterback and they were taking Wilson. The Niners aren't going to trade up to three for a receiver or anything like that. You know, they're trading up for a quarterback. So if the Jets really wanted Wilson when the Niners called or they were unsure, they weren't going to give the Niners a second pick. So that was interesting. So, you know, like I said, that kind of, to me, sold out right there that the top three picks were going to be quarterbacks, right? The Jets, you know, the Jets were a trade mm-hmm. option early, um, you know, when they had the idea of keeping Sam Donald, but that obviously went by the wayside. And I think that kind of solidified that the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks, right? So that goes back into the value of, you know, what they gave up for three and what they could have gave up for two or gave up for six, you know, any way you slice it, if Mac Jones works out, I mean, it is what it is, right? Or if he doesn't work out, I mean, you know, whether it yeah. was at six, whether it's at two, whether it's at three, it's a bad move. Anytime you move up, anytime you take a quarterback at the first round, even if they would have stayed at twelve, I think mm-hmm. Mac Jones, you know, that would have been a, that would have been a risky pick. Now that yeah, if, three, if Mac if Mac Jones is a rock yes. star, I don't think I don't think we're gonna nitpick yep. and say they should have went yeah. to six. They should have stayed. They gave up this. They gave up that. Yeah, if he's a rock star, especially with the roster they have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, you ready to transition a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so I got kind of here the, the final mock draft of. Uh, from from um, as we go through the top ten, just real quickly, um, I got the final mock draft from um, ESPN. So right now they, they got the Falcons at four. Um, a little bit of trades buzz there, um, but they have the Falcons kind of staying in the, They don't have any trades on this draft, so I know we can get into that. I think they got Kyle Pitts going to uh, the Falcons, the tight end mm-hmm. from Alabama. I'm sorry, excuse me, the tight end from Florida. He seems like uh, you know the best prospect on the board after the quarterbacks. I believe is what everybody has at five, six, and seven. We got Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati. He was the guy that sat out for LSU this year. He's obviously going to be the first receiver off the board if that's the case. That would be an interesting pick to me. Miami at six, interesting. I've seen Waddle here. I've seen Devontae Smith here. So it's going to be a little bit of different, but I have seen the, the Dolphins taking a receiver here uh, um, uh, on all the mock drafts I've been looking at. You got Detroit at seven. They're taking the offensive tackle with Sewell from Oregon. That seems like kind of like a chalk pick, you know, getting somebody to block for the blind side of uh, whoever's their quarterback. Right now it's obviously Jared Goff. Eight, nine, ten is kind of where – uh, it goes chalk again with Caleb Farley going to the Panthers, the corner from Virginia Tech. It's interesting. He actually tested positive for COVID today or yesterday. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, that was sort of interesting. He's obviously not going to be at the draft. Um, before we get to nine, I'm just going to go ten real quick to round out. Uh, Jace Horn was the tenth pick. He's the cornerback from South Carolina. They've got him going to the Cowboys. At nine is interesting. Uh, they have Trey Lance going to the Broncos. Something I want to you before we get into the last, uh, the la- the rest of the um, – mock draft is with, with Denver at nine, you know, I know they traded for Trey Bridgewater today. I don't know if this is an updated one, 
But do you feel like they could still take a quarterback? I mean, where would you say, again, the NFL is all about quarterbacks, so let's try to get into this. After three with Mac Jones, I mean, obviously we talked about the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's pretty certain. Where would you target as the next kind of pick for a quarterback? Would it be maybe somebody trading up to Atlanta at five? Would somebody maybe try to get up to Miami at six? Um, would, would it be that nine spot? Do you think Trey Lance and Justin Fields fall all the way to nine at, at, at Denver? You know, where, where do you think the next kind of quarterbacks fall off the board? And any of your thoughts, obviously, from four through ten? Yeah, I would be I would be pretty shocked if we go through the first three, first five picks and either a Lance or a Justin Fields isn't taken. I mean, they have Justin Fields dropping to the Patriots at 15 here. I'd be pretty shocked, and I would think Atlanta wouldn't take a – I don't think Atlanta would take a quarterback. Cincinnati, obviously not. I wouldn't be shocked if somebody trades up. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I feel like – I do feel like I would be a little surprised if we go to the first five picks – and there's only three quarterbacks taken and then being the third one being Mac Jones. I think somebody would trade up for either Lance or Justin Fields. Um, yeah. Maybe the, maybe the, the, uh, the, when do, they do you that, think they, it could be made sure there was no, they made sure there was no trades going into yeah. their article, but yeah. how, how do you feel? What do you think? Do you think it could be as early as four? I mean, do you think that's the spot? Where would you target the spot to kind of say, you know, where, where do you kind of value Lance and where do you value Fields? Obviously, we just, you know, got into a whole thing about the Niners. They obviously valued, you know, Mac Jones or Trey Lance at, at three. So, you know, I mean, I think maybe they, like you said, maybe could they have traded a six or did they hear rumblings that, you know, these guys aren't making it out of the top six in fields and in fields and Lance uh, now that, you know, it's looking like Mac Jones at three. So where, where would you kind of value those guys and where would you say? Me personally, I think that hot pick is going to be Miami at six. If you really want one of the, if you're, if you're Carolina, if you're Denver, if you're the Patriots, um, who, who's another team down here that maybe could Pittsburgh, up for the Saints. Yeah, maybe the Pittsburgh, the Saints, maybe they're a little too far. Yeah, they're a little too far. But again, who knows? You, you never know. I, I think six is where you really can't let these guys drop past. Mm-hmm. I, I think Pitts at I think Pitts at four uh, to Atlanta is pretty solid. I think they should add another guy for Matt Ryan. Um, the, the Bengals haven't really been a trade team. I think the Bengals are interesting. Every draft, it seems like they have their exact picks. You know, they only have seven picks. They never seem like they have more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting when I look at the, the, the Bengals draft. But Miami has shown already that it's willing to trade up, trade out. Um, it doesn't really matter for Miami. So they're an interesting pick. If you want Trey Lance or Justin Fields, I think you can't let these guys pass six. Because, yeah. again, if you're Carolina, if you're the Patriots at 15, if you're Denver at, at nine, um, I, I, I think you've got to go up to six. And one last thing before I get your thoughts is, isn't it interesting that that kind of Carolina and, and Denver are at eight and nine? They're two teams that, you know, have kind of been, you know, testing the waters at quarterback. There's been rumblings about it. And today they made a deal for a quarterback, right, with Teddy Bridgewater going over to Denver from Carolina. So that was interesting to me. It'd be interesting to see Denver take a quarterback to add to Trey, uh, excuse me, to Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So, you know, kind of what are your thoughts about me thinking, you know, you got to go up to six if you want one of those two guys. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be surprised too. Another thing is uh, maybe the Lions might, they have a new face, new head coach, new GM. Uh, they're kind of like uh, kind of rebuilding there. I wouldn't be shocked if they took a quarterback. I know a lot of people – that hasn't been mocked all that much, but yeah, seven, eight, nine, I could very well see somebody probably trading up. Maybe the Broncos leap the Panthers, or maybe the, like mm-hmm. I said, the uh, the uh, the Patriots. Maybe I'm a little surprised that there's some other teams like the maybe like the Saints or the Steelers or the Bears that maybe they would get aggressive. But it feels like that really hasn't been mocked all that much. It hasn't been really talked about all that much. 
But uh, yeah, I think that's who, probably who, the most. Who, is, who do you feel like the team is to call? The, the team's probably to call is Miami, right at six. Yeah, because if you're calling, I, you're calling, you're calling Denver or Carolina. I think they have the same aspirations for a quarterback. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe they don't. But I think Miami is pretty set on their quarterback. Again, you could try Cincinnati. You could try, even try Atlanta at four. But that Atlanta at four pick, I mean, that's got to be high value, right? Because you're jumping in front of everybody. You technically have the first pick in the draft if you're thinking it goes if it goes Lawrence Wilson. Uh, Mac Jones. I mean, you, you're technically, you know, kind of resetting the draft as far as, you know, the draft starts at four uh, w- w- with Atlanta, if you're doing that. So I, I think the Miami at six, I think that's the hot pick. And I really can't, I really can't wait for that Miami pick at six. Cause I think something's going to happen. I really do. Yeah. It seems also the consensus kind of is that Kyle pitching before the Falcons. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. It seems like the Falcons are kind of, I don't know. They're in the sweet spot. I don't know. I mean, they still have a lot of talent. Are they, are they running it back? Are they rebuilding? But I mean, if they are, seems like they are because I haven't heard a lot of Matt Ryan butt trade buzz, right? Yeah. There is some so buzz. It seems like they're trying to run it back. But, uh, they get yeah, but that, that is interesting. Um, yeah. If you if you had to guess, is there a team you think trades up? Is there, is there who would be who, who would you think is the most likely team to go up and get a quarterback? To me, I, I could see Denver really going up there. I know they just added. Um, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, but I could really mm. see them going up there. And maybe maybe you let Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater kind of duke it out this year, and you mm. let a guy like Trey Lance sit, or you let a guy like Justin Fields mm. sit. So I, I'd really be watching Denver at nine, even if it's just a subtle move from going nine to six, even if it's a subtle move going nine to seven, uh, you know, maybe jump in front of Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of where where I would be looking at. Would you agree with that on Denver? Where do you kind of look at Denver's quarterback situation adding Teddy Bridgewater? No, yeah, I like it. Um, no, I like it a lot. That, that's I like the idea of them jumping in front of the uh, the Panthers to get their guy. I'm sorry, yeah, jumping in front of the are they? Yeah, or they're already yeah. in front, right? No, 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 they're, they're no, no. The, so they'd the have Panthers to jump the Panthers. Have eight, yeah, they'd have to jump yeah. the Panthers, and like I said, that that's an interesting thing because you know I don't know how friendly NFL trades get, but yeah. you got to figure that that Carolina and Denver have been going back and forth the last mm-hmm. couple of days on Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I don't know if the, how the GM, how friendly the that uh, John Elway got with uh, Carolina, but you know, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. they asked, or who knows. Um, um one, one other thing, one what go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say real quick the note th- i made somebody made a really good point on this podcast i was listening to i think it was the ringer podcast uh the nfl ringer podcast and they said that i think a lot of people would say be uncharacteristic uncharacteristic i don't know what i'm saying uncharacteristic you know characteristic character uncharacteristic of bill belichick to trade up that's where i was but, going uh, that's what i have right here the yeah, thing is that obviously people say it would be uncharacteristic but they also just had a free agency that was kind of un- uncharacteristic and he's never really had to fill the need of a quarterback for the last, I'd say, what, 20 years. So that'd be something to look out for. But uh, I think that'd be really fun if they traded up. Yeah, like like you said, I mean, if you're Josh McDaniels, man, I mean, you've been waiting, you know, for another guy since Brady left. I mean, I know it's only been a year, but, you know, we've talked about it. And I think we said this after Cameron signed. Are they really going to go back into the into the season with just Cam Newton no, and, and Jared Stidham on the roster? They, they can't do that, right? And the way we've talked about Cam Newton's contract being restructured is they really don't owe him anything. You know, no. I think the number came out that it was 12 or 13, but you know, it's, it's really like four or five. If, yeah. yeah. If they cut him in training Five-ish. camp. So uh, I would definitely watch them. Like I said, it's uncharacteristic as you just said of Belichick, but you know, I mean, he's had, you know, the goat quarterback for, you know, he had him for 20 years. So, you know, how much, how many times can he really trade up for a quarterback? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he obviously took Jimmy G he took Brissett. Uh, there was another guy he took early in the 2000s, I think early, but um, they were, they were a team I definitely watch. I mean, is there, is there a guy you'd like better fit with them between Lance and Fields? Because I'd love to see Justin Fields go there. I really would. With all the weapons they put around him, I wouldn't say he's Cam Newton-esque. I think he's got a lot better arm than Cam Newton, obviously. But, you know, they, they are similar in a sense. And, you know, Cam Newton maybe is not a bad guy to have around Justin Fields, mm-hmm. if that's the case. So I'd love to see Justin Fields go there. But to me, it's just going to be interesting to see 
and to kind of watch it all play out in the sense of what we just talked about, you know, where does Fields go? Does Lance go before Fields? That to me is going to be really interesting. I mean, would you say, I don't think that Patriots can wait till 15 to wait for Fields, right? I mean, I think he's going to go before that, but to where would be interesting. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the ZSPN advanced, uh, not fantasy draft, but this mock draft, the final mock draft they put out. I don't really foresee a situation where Joseph Field drops all the way to 15. I, I think I they have him dropping to 15, right? Yeah, that's what that's what they have. Yeah, right here. I'm, I'm looking, looking at it right now. They have him dropping to 15, right? Yeah. I, I that's crazy. I don't yeah. see that because you know you just made a really good point about teams that are in the 20s in the Saints, Patriots. Yeah. I'm sorry, excuse me, the Saints, Steelers, and Bears. I mean, if he's at 13, if he's at 14, what's the value for the Steelers to go up from 24? What's the value yeah. for the Saints to go up? What the Bears are sitting at 20? You know, don't you think the Bears would love to get their hands on Justin Fields? And if it's only yeah. a couple spots, you know, to jump New England, I mean, man, that that would be interesting. So it's going to be interesting to how all this plays out. Um, yeah. If I'm making predictions on all the quarterbacks, um, I, I would say, you know, obviously the first two in, in Lawrence and Thiel and Lawrence and Wilson, excuse me, to the Jazz and Jets. I think Mac Jones goes three. I'm going to predict that Denver takes uh, Trey Lance at nine. I, I could see them moving up and I could see them moving, uh, you know, maybe the sixth to, to kind of make sure they get him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then for, for, for Justin Fields, man, it's interesting. I, I really do. I'm going to say, cause I really want to see this. I'm going to say that Dem- uh, that uh, New England comes up and gets him at nine. I think oh, New England like comes up and gets him. I, I think Miami trades back from six to nine. And I think Miami trades back one more time. To me, they just seem like a team that just wants to build draft capital. They kind of want to mm-hmm. put some guys around to it, but I don't think they need stars. I think they kind of want qual- uh, quantity over quality right now. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see, I don't see all five quarterbacks getting out of the top 10, which would be crazy. Right. I mean, that'd be so interesting. Yeah. Did you say, you said Trey Lance goes eight. I think Trey Lance goes six. Okay. I, I, like I said, six, I, I think six. Miami, okay. I think that's a hot, hot pick. I think that's uh-huh. the pick where you really need to know you got to go up and get there. I think Pitts is the best player available. So I think the mm-hmm. Falcons go with him. Again, the Bengals aren't really a team that usually trades. Uh, I've heard that before. So I think they stick with Chase. Okay. And the Miami at six, I, I think they're holding that pick out there and they're making some calls at six. You know, who knows? Uh, uh, I think Miami's active and I think they go get Trey Lance. I think, excuse me, Denver calls and they jump Carolina and go get uh, Trey Lance. And again, for, for Miami to call, it'd be interesting because Miami would have to trade with the Patriots. I don't know if they do that, but uh, I, I don't see these quarterbacks getting out of the top 10. I really don't. So I'm going to say that uh, they all go in the top 10. Would you be okay. shocked if that happened? If they all, if they all win top 10? Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I think that's kind of what, like, uh, I think that's what I expect. I, I would, uh, yeah, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't fall to my chair. No, I, th- I think that's, I'd probably predict that's what's going to happen. Honestly. Yeah, Cause you, cause you, you got to figure, you know, the first three are going to be quarterbacks say Lance goes six. I mean, the last real quarterback prospect in the first round that has a first round grade is just a field. So all those teams in the back, like you said, that were behind, you know, Miami or whoever goes up to six, you know, I mean, they're making calls. They're trying to go up there to get Justin Fields. So I, I don't think Justin Fields the, the, has an Aaron Rodgers thing. I think, I think, you know, where he sits long or where, you know, he doesn't get, you know, he's sitting in the green room. I don't know if he's going to be there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think these guys fly off the board. I really do. And I think they mm-hmm. buy off the board fast. And I think it's going to make for an interesting night. Mm-hmm. No, I just, just one last thing is, uh, it says they have Lance going. Dude, we got to make that a segment. We got to make like a sound when you say one last thing because we're not very good at it. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, we're looking at the Lance. Where do they have Lance in here going? Number nine. If it let's say let's say if it goes the ESPN draft, let's say Lance does go nine. That's going to be a what is it? Ten minutes in between picks. That's going to be a long yeah. what like fifty yep. minutes between he gets drafted at fifteen. If that was the case. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, because again, like you said, there's all those teams that um if that was the case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So
All right, Joel, I didn't come prepared today. Your dog, or I'm sorry, your poor one out for this week? Yeah, I got to pull one out for my man, Chris Kitchum. Um, I don't know if you guys saw my little Twitter exchange with him, but uh, he came out He came out a little hot. He came at uh, everybody, and he tried to say that, you know, the, the Oakland A's and Mike Fires are ducking people, and, you know, he, he's obviously a Houston Astros fan. Um, I'm not going to get into his Twitter header. Maybe you can kind of explain it to the fans after yeah. I'm done here, but uh, pretty much, you know, his thing was Mike Fires is getting reinstated. Uh, Mike Fires is the pitcher. Obviously, Mike Fires is a little bit of a controversial guy. He, he's kind of the whistleblower in the whole Houston Astros thing. Um, to me, I don't see the problem with it. I mean, again, if you're cheating, you're cheating. Uh, maybe maybe if he was still on the Astros, I, I would have said, you know, hey, maybe you keep that in-house. You don't kind of throw your teammates under the bus. But it's been a couple of years. Mike Fires is now on the A's, who the chief rival of the Astros is. So, uh, you know, no, but big Chris Ketchum, yeah, big, it's, not like, it's not like it was yeah. the flake gate where, like, it really doesn't oh, yeah. matter, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, or, or it was the week after or something yeah. like that. I mean, it's been years. It was years before Fires kind of came out with it. Um, no, he year. pretty much was – yeah, he pretty Deliver. much was saying something about uh, Mike Fires ducking the Astros or because Astro, cause Fires was part last year for the start. And I just kind of I just kind of laid it out for him. I said, who's ducking who? Did the Trastros get that ass swept by the Tigers and Mariners, which they did? Tell those cheaters to bang some more trash cans, try and work their way up before you come at the first place, Oakland Athletics. You want some of Fires, you can come get some at the Coliseum. That's pretty much what I told him. Uh, I mean, I, I said something about Deshaun Watson at the end. I, I don't want to get into it. I feel bad about yeah. that. Um, yeah. It, it, as, as you saw, his Twitter header is him, Deshaun Watson, and two cheerleaders. I'll leave it at that. You, you can you can elaborate this, on that. This might be beside the point, but Myers, uh, fires the Coliseum, that's money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They don't want to see it. They, they don't want to see it. They got bigger issues. They, they got bigger issues than, you know, Mike, than saying Mike Fires is ducking on. And this yeah. catch some guy knows. I had to put him in his place. Um, he wasn't able to respond. I think my Twitter uh, profile is private, but that's besides the point. <laughs> that's, that's completely beside the point. Yeah, that's but, beside uh, the point. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to have to call uh, my boy Zayn for backup if needed. <laughs> All right, let's transition real quick into our little recap of USC 261, headlined by Usman Masvidal. The, true t- the three title fights, uh, Shevchenko defeated Jessica Andrade, and then uh, by decapitation, Z- Wally Zhang was it Wally Zhang? You can call it whatever def- you want because you can't call her a champion anymore. Was defeated Wally by Zang. Rose Namajunas, and then uh, Wally Zhang was defeated by Rose Namajunas uh, via TKO in the first round, and then Kamara Usman uh, banished Jorge Masvidal into the shadow realm uh, via round two TKO. Your thoughts on uh, UFC two sixty one? Yeah, it was an incredible card um, to see the fans back, to hear the energy, to just kind of feel again. I'm not going to I, I kind of went through the whole quarantine thing and the whole, you know, uh, COVID thing with UFC. I mean, I watched almost every card. I mean, you know that about me. I mean, even if it's a fight night, even if it's prelims or anything, I love checking it out. And it definitely was weird on that start. You obviously got used to it like every other sport um, through the quarantine. I got used to the apex fights. I got used to the fight on fights. But man, to hear the crowd roar to do the whole open to, to you know, when they, when they do the shots uh, of the fans, you know, as you're coming in after the whole pay-per-view intro, everything was just incredible, man. The crowd was incredible. I, I, you know, it was deafening at sometimes as I was listening on my couch. Um, it really was an incredible event. It really was an incredible night of fights. Um, obviously start off um, w- w- with, you know, the, the, the tough, uh, the tough moment of Chris Weidman sort of breaking and snapping his whole leg. I mean, that's kind of, again, that was a fight before that, but that kind of, really what, what I think a lot of people are going to look at as far as the fight. It was a tragic kind of thing. I think you've seen it, right, obviously. 
Yeah, that that was a uh, yeah. that was hard to watch. Yeah. I, I caught the Twitter yeah, no, play. That was a uh, yeah. I I couldn't watch it. And, and then obviously for casuals, I, I think even casuals know that what's interesting about it, and you know, it's just kind of just a crazy, crazy thing is you know Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time. A lot of people who consider him the greatest of all time uh, in his rematch against Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman is obviously the guy that snapped out of uh, Anderson Silva's win streak. He knocked out Chris uh, Anderson Silva, and then their rematch uh, in the second round. You know, Chris uh, Anderson Silva has the same injury that Chris Weidman suffered. Uh, I think it's about six, seven years apart. So that's just a crazy, crazy world and crazy thing about it is. So, uh, you know, prayers to Chris Weidman. Hopefully, hopefully he gets better. One thing I want to ask you, about, I think we already talked about it today, is what, what did you think about, again, I'm going to I'm gonna read you what, uh, what Mike Coppinger said um, as, as I go. What did you think about what Mike Coppinger said in the sense that, uh, you know, saying that, saying that a successful surgery isn't, isn't good to say, because there could be, you know, you know, complications with the surgery. What was your take on that? I didn't really get um, your full thoughts today. Yeah, I don't really think it's worth mentioning. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, it's nothing I've ever really consciously acknowledged how like every surgery is usually successful. But uh, I mean, the only, the first thing I thought of, and the only thing that I can really conclude with is it was probably the most unnecessary tweet I've seen in a while. It, it seemed like he was obviously trying to be kind of edgy. Um, I mean, he, I mean, may, it may or may not have something to do with him uh, getting to a spat with a little, uh, one Leonard Ellerby. And then uh, obviously the aerial thing afterwards, it just kind of on a, on a cold streak, definitely, a, definitely in a slump. Uh, but it was probably the most unnecessary, uh, not you can undefendable so, tweet I've seen in a while. So I had the exchange here. Uh, all Ariel Hawani was saying, and again, Ariel Hawani is not my favorite person. I think I've made that clear. All he said was Chris Weidman's surgery this morning was successful for his wife's Instagram post. That's it. Everybody could have liked it, commented on it, whatever. Send well wishes. You don't, you don't say anything back to something like that. And Mike Coppinger has the balls to reply. The next surgery announced as unsuccessful will undoubtedly be the first in history. All Hawani said back, again, Hawani's not trying to exchange with him, is not too late to delete this, bud. Coppinger comes back. It doesn't mean anything to say his surgery was successful immediately after. It shall remain. Helwani comes back off the top rope with a crowning elbow. What an idiotic thing to write. His wife is sharing some uplifting news about her husband who suffered a traumatic injury less than 24 hours ago. It's the first update of any kind we've gotten on this. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> Helwani off the, top, the top rope. rope. You, know what? I'm, you know what? I don't like this guy. I really don't. But I'm just going to do my dog of the week this week. I don't know if you have one or not. I'm going to say no, Ariel Helwani is double up dog on of the week, man. Ariel is my just dog of the week, man. I, Tip I'm not hat. a huge, I'm not a huge Hawani guy, but to come at him like that, to get, to tell him to get his head out of his ass. I love it. And that, what I love about it is his first response was kind of low key. It was, it was short. It was not too late to delete this, but Coppinger didn't have to reply, but Coppinger doubled. Like it's not like it's a good shot at him, right? In it's the almost like reply. they're kind of at a poker game and, and you know, and, Co and, and Coppinger kind of calls on Hawani. Hawani calls back to Coppinger. Coppinger calls back to Hawani and Hawani just pushes it all in. It says, say, say something back to this. Obviously, Coppinger didn't respond to it. So my dog of the week, I don't even want it for going at that. Um, but but anyways, as, as we move on, the Chris Weidman thing was tragic. It sucks. Hope to see him, you know, back at some point. You know, he's a legend of the sport. Um, obviously, you, you brought into the Shevchenko, you know, defeating Andrade. I'm not going to get too much into that. Um, you know, we can get into that Amanda Nunes thing about, you know, her and Shevchenko three. But I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So if it ever does, you know, we can get it to them. Um, to me, the craziest thing of the night, I, I think, I think the Usman Masvidal thing we can get into that. But to me, the craziest thing of the night was Thug Rose Namajunas knocking out Weili Zhang. 
Um, the last kind of the last kind of uh, uh, image we had of Weili Zhang was that crazy five round war with the Honorable Young Jacek. Um, you know, one of the best fights ever I think I've ever seen, women's or men's. Um, it was interesting because she did skip the whole COVID era. I mean, she didn't fight once without fans. Her first fight back is with fans. You know, she kind of did the last pay per view with fans. Now she's back to the first pay per view with fans. Um, you know, early I, last week I, I said I, if if, I, if you were to ask me, I would have said you know I know obviously all the champions were heavy favorites. Um, I would have said take Weili Zhang money line. I said if you were going to take a money line, that would be the one to take just because of how tough she showed and the toughness she showed and the power she showed in that GMJ check fight. But credit to Thug Rose, man. She came out and absolutely flattened her uh, with the head kick and obviously finished it. Weili Zhang got up after that and kind of disputed it. But, um, you know, there really was no disputing it. She was absolutely out cold. What, what, did, what did you think about that? I think you caught that fight, right? No, um, I mean, the only thing, I mean, I'm not really too into the weeds when it comes to the women's MMA, but the first thing, when I first saw that last uh, Wei Lee fight, it was probably the best striking performance I've probably seen from a woman. And it was like, it literally blew my mind. But I mean, I, both I was of them, only, right? yeah, that was, yeah, absolutely. I just thought Wei Lee, the way she punched, she like looked like a legitimate, like technical, very uh, fundamental boxer. That kind of blew me away the way she was able to strike. But uh, that's why I thought she was the one. I don't think I've seen too many. I'm sure I've seen a Rose fight before, but uh, she didn't really blow blow me away the way Whaley did. But, uh, yeah, that was – I mean, the way everybody reacted after it. Um, is she, like, a high – do people really like her? Because it seems like uh, MMA Twitter was, like, really, like – Yeah, yeah. Thug, Thug Rose has had a couple – yeah, Thug Rose has had a couple moments of, oh, my God. So uh-huh. I just brought up Yoni and JK. Yoni and Jacek was an undefeated champion. She was, she was an incredible fighter. Um, she was undefeated for, I think, like, five, six years. Um, she defended the belt five times, um, and then Thug Rose ended up knocking her out at UFC 217, uh, the same pay-per-view that, you know, Cody Cody Garbrin and TJ Dillashaw fought once uh, in New York City. So that was kind of her epic moment where she knocked out um, Ioana Jacek in the first round. And she kind of had the same kind of moment here. You know, going into that Ioana Jacek fight, um, you know, she was the high underdog. Um, I think she was plus like five, 600 or something. Ioana was the defending champion, and she ends up knocking her out in the first round. In this Whaley Zhang fight, it's kind of the same thing. You know, Thug Rose wasn't a huge underdog because she kind of had that moment. Um, one, one thing, one interesting thing about Thug Rose Nama Yunus is, um, and we'll get to Usman is, um, you know, she she kind of trains out of Denver, Colorado with Trevor Whitman. You got to give big props to Trevor Whitman for that one and for kind of Rose Nama Yunus. Because one thing about Rose Nama Yunus that was reported was, so she ended up winning the belt at 217. Um, she fought at 223, the card um, where Habib won his belt, you know, the Brooklyn card with the Connor thing. She, she was the co-main that night when she fought Yoni and Jacek in the main event, and I'm saying in the co-main event, she ends up beating her in five rounds, and then she doesn't fight again until uh, UFC 237. She loses the belt there, and after she loses the belt, she kind of does the whole thing. I think you've heard this before, where she said, you know, she didn't really enjoy being the champion. She didn't enjoy the pressures of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of was glad that she lost the belt. You've heard that before yeah. about her, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's kind of an odd character, kind of an oddball. She, she I, I wouldn't say oddball, excuse me. She, she's kind of talked about her mental health and everything with that, you know, and that, that's kind of tough for fighters to talk about because they are supposed to be these tough athletes. Obviously, in the women's side, it's a little different, but, you know, she is supposed to kind of be, you know, the tough champion of the world. But, you know, incredible performance. I, I really I really was shocked on it, and I really couldn't believe it because, you know, her big thing was, you know, she said she was going to punch her in the face, get her on her back and choke her out, but she didn't even really need to choke her out because she just finished her on the feet with uh, ground and pound after, you know, the head kick. So credit to her. Um, the Usman Mazudal fight, the, uh, the main event. Yep, yep, yep. We talked about it last week, and, you know, I, I think – it's, it's interesting. I kind of went back and forth on it. The whole time leading up to this fight, I, um, I, I was Usman. I was Usman. I was Usman as far as who I thought was going to win. I, I saw the fight play out once. I didn't really think much, much was going to change, even with, you know, Masvidal having the time, having the better weight cut. Um, 
on Friday, on Friday night, I watched the last embedded and I watched kind of Usman. I'm sorry, excuse me. I watched Masvidal kind of do the whole weigh in thing and just really seeing how the crowd was really behind him. I mean, there was tons of signs for him. Um, I don't know the guy he was with um, at the weigh in. I, I, I think he's some rap uh, artist or whatever. Triple A or something. His name? What's his name? Triple A? Do you know? I, I have no clue. The, the okay. reggae guy? I, I asked. Yeah, Jasmine, yeah. Who's okay, all there, you go. there you go. I asked Jasmine, there you who's go. all in the reggae tone, and she had no clue who this guy was. So. Yeah, I, I could have swore. The first time I saw when he walked up at the weigh in, I thought it was Bad Bunny, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the same so, thing. So again, my, my opinion of it was sort of starting to change. I saw the I saw the way in, I saw what happened, I saw the love management I was getting. Uh, you know, on Saturday, I really considered putting money on his money line because I think he got up to like plus three fifty almost. I know a lot of money was coming in on Usman uh, uh, during the week. Um, I just thought maybe it's his moment. You know, maybe this is what you know this career has come to. Um, I know he's been considered a journeyman. He's been considered considered a stepping stone a couple times. Um, I just thought that maybe, you know, this was his moment in his hometown, or not, excuse me, not his hometown, his home state. He had a lot of support, um, but credit to Usman, man. Usman went in there. It was definitely and, a home you know, game. With, it was yeah, a true it was a road game, game for Usman. True, yeah. true road game. You, you to me, you, you pointed out the, the interesting thing about all the booze Usman was getting. Um, I, I thought it was crazy. You know, like you said, I thought it was obviously a pro Masvidal crowd, but, you know, I thought round one was, was good. I mean, uh, Usman landed a couple shots on him. Usman took him down. But Masvidal was good on the feet. Masvidal looked comfortable. Masvidal's cardio looked good. Um, but in the second round, man, I mean, Usman landed an absolute power jab. Um, you know, you could call it a right hand. I'm calling it a jab. Um, it's kind of the same, similar to the one that he dropped Gilbert Burns with. But uh, he absolutely put Masvidal's lights out. I think that was the first time Masvidal's been stopped in like five or six years. I think he's only been stopped twice in his career. That was the second time. Um, I, I did not see that coming. I didn't expect that. I thought Usman was going to beat him up. If you gave me my prediction, I thought the corner was going to stop it after the fourth round. I just thought Usman was going to kind of beat him up all night. Jorge being the tough guy he is, I thought he was going to kind of outlast it, but that obviously didn't happen. And he obviously put his lights out, man. So, um, you know, again, I, I think we've talked about on this, on this show, uh, on this podcast that, you know, Usman's not our favorite guy and we'll get into the Colby thing real quickly after this, but uh, yeah. you got to give that man credit. He's been came out today, put him number one in the pound for pound. And I can't say I disagree. So uh, what, what were you, you think? What were your there thoughts? You no, I, thought was, I think that's very big of you. I, I think, I think I'd have to, I think I'd have to agree with that. Just did you to, say that? Did you say about, that was very big of me? Yeah, I was big of you. I, yeah, you know what, dude? Listen, listen. <laughs> I, I'm warming up to the guy. Listen, Colby's my guy. We'll get into that yeah. in a minute. But listen, you Usman, Usman start putting these guys out like that. Put out guys like that. Yeah. You got to give that man credit. And I think I think mm-hmm. you're starting to kind of do that too, right? No, absolutely. Um, I would have no yeah. problem with. That. I think. Yeah. Um, I saw John Jones was too, but I mean, that guy hasn't fought. Last time that guy fought there, were we, were we in a pandemic? I don't think we're in a pandemic. I don't think we're in the pandemic. He yeah, skipped the I whole mean, pandemic. And the, the amount of like times, back yeah. After the pandemic. Yeah, the amount of times Usman's defended his belt, you got to tip the hat there and probably put him at number one. But He's the uh, most active champion right now. Yeah, yeah. Another, yeah, just the one, a couple of things I wanted to touch on was, yeah, the, the environment was electric. It was great to have the fans back. It was impressive. Usman, it was like a true road game. It was like, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, Jorge was obviously the huge fan, fan favorite. That was really fun. Just uh, the electricity that the fans are feeding uh, through the television, through the the broadcast and everything. That was really fun. And uh, I mean, like I said, I, I'm going to have to tip my hat here. Got to be the bigger man here. Usman had the knock of being kind of a boring fighter after the first Masvidal we fight. Him he got, he, we called him Stusman. Yeah. No, I was disappointed. I, I, I remember, I mean, yeah. I barely remember that night because it was a long night. But yes, what sir, I remember yes, is I kept I kept saying I was never gonna buy another Usman fight after that because of how boring I, I do it was remember that. how much of a letdown it was. I kept saying that I kept saying that. But you got to tip that hat here the way he's finished Gilbert Burns, finished Masvidal, the way he's kind of evolved his game into being like 
a legitimate threat as a striker and just the way he's evolved and yeah. how impressive that is, how much more, I mean, it, it probably doesn't mean all that much, but it means something to the fans, right? That that definitely means something yeah. to the fans. He, the he's sort of finished guys. He's sort of embracing the, kind of the villain role, right? Yeah, he's sort of embracing the villain mm-hmm. role, right? I mean, yeah. he's saying, you know, he should be pound for pound. He's saying, uh-huh. you know, all these guys aren't active. You know, he's asking these guys to kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, loop back around because he kind of is looping uh-huh. back around. Say what you want about Usman. He really is looping back around. This Masvidal thing was a rematch. Um, the 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 uh, As we'll get into this next, as that, that actually transition to what the last kind of thing I want to touch on is, um, you know, the Colby Covington fight, that's going to be a rematch. He's already beat Leon Edwards, who – who fights Nate Diaz in, in a couple of weeks. Um, so that, that seems like the next fight. That seems like the next logical fight um, for Usman it is the Colby Covington fight. One thing I will say about that is U- Usman, Usman got, got Masvidal out of there in the second round. He got Burns out of there in the third round. One thing you will say about Colby, Colby stood in there and took Usman's punches all night. Say what you want about the stoppage or say what you want about the fight. That fight was 2-2 going into the fifth round. So for people to say this isn't going to be close, people to say this isn't going to be you know, he, he's going to beat Colby even worse than he did. Yeah. Don't count Colby Covington out too much. Um, Usman's obviously the champ. You give him the respect. We just said that. But that's yeah. where it stops. I mean, yeah. I mean this is a this is a fan-friendly podcast. This is a Colby Covington stand podcast, if you ask me. Yeah. You know, say whatever you want about Colby and all the ex- extra activities he participates in. I just want to strictly talk about his fighting. And, man, mm-hmm. he's a fighter. He goes in there. He's a dog. He's got the card. I'd like to see a little – I'd like to see a little bit more power in his hands, but uh, we'll see. If I, I, but one thing I will say about this fight is mm-hmm. it's going to sell, man. I think this fight's going to be huge. I think it's yeah. going to be even bigger than the first fight. Uh, I think this is the headliner. Uh, I, I would say I would target about September, October. Maybe even they push it back a little bit. Maybe let them go on a press tour or something because it would be incredible for these guys to talk, right? I mean, who's been starting to get his villain roll mm-hmm. on a little bit? Colby already has his villain roll on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how that'll play out, but uh, that'll definitely be interesting. I really can't wait, right? I mean, that fight excites you, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, what do you have to say, just as a fan of Colby? Uh, what do you think about people when say when people like talk shit about Colby in that fight, and people say, "Oh, uh, Usman broke his jaw because he broke his jaw in the third, right?" Yes. Yes. My thing is, yep. yeah, in the following round, and Colby Covington he, kicked his ass in the Kobe fourth swept, round. And Colby him. swept the Colby swept the judges' scorecards all in the fourth round. He kicked his ass in the fourth round. He kicked his ass. Jaw. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't that yeah, say something? Pace. He kicked his ass. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I know, you know, he, he, he weathered the storm. Uh, he got back in there and he was doing well in the fifth round until the end. You know, he caught caught with the real big jab uh, from uh-huh. Usman. He get, went down. He got back up. He was still throwing. He goes down again. Say what you want about the stoppage. Hopefully we get a better ref in there next time. But that fight's going to be, <laughs> that fight's going to be incredible. And, yeah. And one thing you could say about that fight is if you go back and watch that fight, there wasn't a single takedown attempt. There wasn't a single attempt to wrestle. There wasn't a single clinch. It was a striking was fight, fight for five that rounds. An and I think fight. that's what's going to happen. I, I don't think that Colby's going to go in there and try to wrestle Usman. Now, it may be beneficial for Colby to go in there and try to wrestle Usman. We've never really seen somebody try to wrestle Usman. Usman's going to be kind of the wrestler, or at least the grappler, kind yeah. of, in, in the sense of, yeah. you know, holding him up against the cage. But uh, the last two fights Usman had, man, he hasn't tried to wrestle anybody. Yeah. He hasn't tried to hold anybody. He's been throwing hard, and I really can't wait to see that one mm-hmm. uh, against uh against Colby and Usman. I mean, yeah. that one gets you excited, right? Absolutely, yeah. right? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just one last thing. I want to circle back on the Jorge thing. Um, a couple that, things. That could, one, have, that, you, could have been my, that could have been my poor one out, man. Poor one out for, for Jorge. Do you want to do, you wanna do any sort of a victory lap on there? Or <laughs> on telling me that this guy had no chance? I don't. Listen. Leave it as it is? I don't. You want to punch down? You don't punch down? Leave it as it is. I'm not going to punch down. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Jorge Masvidal, man, he's a star. He, he, he's still a pretty big name. I mean, you say what you want about him. You know, you, yeah. you said you've got some stuff on him real quickly. I I, I just got to say respect to him, man. I mean, he sold the fight. He, he sold the rematch. He did a good job. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he, he's a gamer, man. He, he He's game bred. I mean, you say whatever you want about him. He's game bred, man. He's been doing it for so long. You got to respect a guy like that, right? Mm-hmm. Coming to but, a thriller event but, near you? But, 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 but I did, I did call it. Yeah, you did. I was going to, so another thing, like I said, I, I gave my props to Usman. I don't know really I want to put this in the wrong way, but I don't want to tear down what he did, but what was a Masvidal. He's, he's a solidified star. I feel pretty comfortable saying that uh, relative to the UFC, but the substance of Jorge Masvidal, are, are we, was he a bit overrated coming in? I know he had the, uh, the luckiest knee I've probably ever seen in my life. Uh, he did beat, he got a lot of fame when he beat Nate Diaz when Nate Diaz, I mean, I, I love me. I don't love me, but I really like what he does and what he brings to the UFC and to a fight. But he was pretty washed. I felt like he's pretty washed. Um, he beat him, obviously. And then the, the Till performance was pretty impressive, but that was like a while ago. Uh, what do you think about yeah. the substance that is Jorge Masvidal as of right now or maybe uh, coming into this fight? What is what, the substance of it rather than like the building of the fight? You know what I mean? What he's actually done, what he's accomplished. Not what he's accomplished, yeah. but like yeah. what he, where he is at, yeah. at this state. As a you know, when you strip it down and when you really think about it in a yeah. couple of years, you're always going to remember this guy, right? I mean, he's going to be a guy you remember. He's going to be a guy. He's going to be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. He's like Cowboy Cerrone. No matter how many losses Cowboy Cerrone has, you're going to remember him for his night fights. You know, anytime Cowboy Cerrone's at a fight, you know, in the in the future, anytime they're going to show him on the big screen, he's going to get a big pop. You know, Mohamed Masvidal has some of the, you know, the most, you, you know, high, 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 I don't want to say this, high, highlight reels, highlight reels in the UFC. I mean, the neon Ben Askren. That's going to be shown forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his fight with Nate Diaz and the BMF title and that whole thing, um, which, again, to me, should be stripped. That's just me. I don't know how you feel about it. Is it, Usman the, why, isn't, is it I, Usman the BMF? That's a great question. I have no idea. I don't think Usman is going to win it now. He, he should. I would hope so. I mean, make Kobe a double champion. But, uh, no, anyways, just last thing on Masvidal. If you, 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 could say, you could say what you want. He obviously got knocked yeah. out. He obviously – everything he said, you yeah. know, fell on – fell on deaf ears. I don't think anybody really believed it, but you know, he got people to buy the fight. He got people to, you know, kind of believe he got other people to believe in him. You know, he had the whole state yeah. behind him. It seemed it like was it, a event. it was a good, it was a good absolutely. night. It, was, it felt like everybody was watching the fight, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was a huge night. Absolutely. It was a good yeah. event. Every felt like everybody on Twitter yeah, was watching absolutely. it. So uh, credit to him, man. And, and you know, hey, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah. Especially he, what his thing is, he always talks about where he came from. I'm sure um, he's happy with Did where he do- is right now. One last thing, you, you did think it was kind of funny how Usman did the whole super necessary, right, with the with the last couple shots he got on Jorge on the ground. Do you remember what, what Jorge said about Yeah, I, I didn't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I didn't get so, that. Was so that what, a, what that ended up slight? happening what was, was after inside the joke? Ben Askren fight. So you know how he, 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 he runs across the cage. He knees Ben Askren. Ben Askren hits the ground, right? Ben Askren's mm-hmm. out, right? But before, it's funny, before Herb D yeah. can kind of get there, uh, you know, Masvidal got a couple shots in, right, as, as Ben Askren was already knocked out. And so they yeah. asked uh, Jorge mm-hmm. after that fight, after 239 at the presser, you know, were those shots mm-hmm. kind of necessary? And he gave the answer they were super necessary. Mm-hmm. And so when Usman mm-hmm. was asked the same question, because when Usman knocked that, when Usman landed that punch, Masvidal was out. He didn't need those extra punches right on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And they asked him if they were necessary, yeah. and he said they were super necessary. And so, and, and credit to Masvidal because he came on the Ariel Hawani show when I listened, and he said, you know, credit to Usman. He was the better man. Um, you know, he took his loss like a man, as they would say, you know, you always love when you see fighters that regardless of how you feel about them, it's always, it's always good to see fighters kind of take the loss and, you know, have a laugh about it. Right. Oh yeah. It was, I was just going to say, my last thing was that it was cool to see them embrace each other after the fight. It seemed like there was a lot of bad blood, but obviously after the fight, it seemed like they really embraced each other, really had respect for each other. And yeah, that, that's something you always got to just, uh, you always got to respect. You can't really, uh, 
you don't want to think nothing of it is when uh, when a guy takes a loss really well and uh, just kind of embraces it, doesn't yeah. hide from it, just uh, gives credit to the other guy. Yeah. Um, that, that was cool, Mas, but I, I would definitely, I, I can definitely say that. Yeah. So again, I, I hope you know they don't try to bring the BMF thing back for him or try to do that thing with Nate Diaz again. But you never know, man. The guy sells. Nate mm-hmm. Diaz sells. Who knows? We'll we'll see. Nate Diaz also does fight in a couple of weeks, so we'll get into that soon here and maybe get get a breakdown on that one. So Inter- I will say BMF one thing. Titles? I, and yeah, I will say time. one thing for Colby. I think Colby needs to get this contract signed pretty soon here and make sure he's good on his end because, uh, you know, Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz fight pretty soon here. If Nate yeah. Diaz wins, man, I, I think he's easily going to fight Usman. I think sure. I think Usman's taking that payday if Nate Diaz can pull off the upset against Leon Edwards. And if Leon Edwards win, man, I mean, that's nine in a row for Leon. Obviously, his last loss was to Usman, so that'd be interesting as well. That's hard. Uh, one little, one, yeah, one little thing I want to add, um, in case people didn't know, uh, uh, Israel Adesanya is going to be back in the octagon June 12th. Uh, he signed to fight Marvin Vittori. Um, everybody wanted to see him fight Whitaker. I'm sure you did too. Obviously, in the rematch, Whitaker's not going to be ready. Whitaker yeah. just fought a couple weeks ago. So it looks like it's going to be Marvin Vittori on June 12th. Um, it's interesting because the, the co-main event could be a main event itself. It's the flyweight rematch between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno in what was, I believe, the 2020 men's fight of the year. I think the women's fight was Baby Zhang and Ioana. But uh, just one last thing in case anybody didn't know. June 12th, Adesanya's back in the octagon, back at middleweight. Um, you know, trying to trying to defend his belt and try to defend his throne. So that was interesting. Obviously, Adesanya is a, a ticket seller. So everybody watch out for that one. That's going to wrap up this podcast. Really good podcast. Really exciting podcast with the draft. And then obviously the recap of UFC 261. Joel, you got anything else? I got one last little thing. And I'm going to press uh, yeah. cancel before I say it. I'm not going to say anything else. All you YouTubers out there, you want some from D.C.? Come get some. Is the part where we play right above it? Play whatever you want. I'm out. I'm out. I'll see you next week.